I want you to go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Vamos a ir a 2 Samuel capítulo 9. We've been talking about David's ascension to the throne of Israel. Hemos hablado de estados estamos hemos estado hablando de la ascensión del rey David a el trono, el reinado de la nación de Israel. And last week I shared with you the fourfold revelation of the lordship of Jesus Christ. La semana pasada compartí con ustedes la revelación, las cuatro revelaciones de el señorío del Señor Jesucristo. What is a revelation except it's something that God shows you that you could not see by yourself. Una revelación es algo que Dios te enseña que no podías ver de ti mismo. It means it's not something you can perceive by the natural man. No es algo percibido por el hombre natural. La Biblia dice que el hombre natural no percibe o no entiende la, las cosas del Espíritu. The Bible says that the natural man cannot understand or perceive the things of the Spirit. But when you have been born again by the Spirit of God... Cuando usted ha nacido de nuevo por el Espíritu de Dios, ahora usted puede entender las cosas espirituales. Now spiritual things can be understood and ascertained. Anybody in here been born again? Then you have the ability by the uh, indwelling Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You have the ability and power to see things in the Spirit. To see what God sees. The Bible tells us, uh, if you will find 2 Samuel chapter 9, I'm going to veer over here a little bit and explain all of this, pull it all together. But the Bible tells us about the prophet Elisha, that he was surrounded by an army that had come to arrest him. Dice la Biblia de un profeta llamado Eliseo, quien había llegado un ejército para arrestarlo, y... Usted sabe que cuando llega un ejército para arrestar a alguien es porque es una persona tremendamente peligrosa. Uh, when an army shows up to arrest somebody, you know you're dealing with somebody who's uh, very dangerous, right? Well, Elisha was very dangerous because he had spiritual insight. And so the uh, enemy camp decided to go arrest the prophet so he would stop giving uh, intelligence to the to the um, nation of Israel, and when they went to arrest him, the servant woke up in the morning, looked out, and he saw all around the city a, an, an encampment of an army that had come to arrest Elisha. El siervo de Eliseo sale en la mañana, y lo que él ve es un ejército enorme que había rodeado aquel lugar para arrestar al profeta. And the prophet when he called the prophet, he said, I want you need to come out here and see this. We're in big trouble, man. Él llamó al profeta y dijo, vamos a, tienes que ver esto, estamos en un gran problema. Y salió el, el profeta, the prophet came out, and he saw what the natural man saw, but he also saw something in the spirit. El profeta vio algo que vio el hombre natural, pero también vio algo que el hombre espiritual había visto. The natural man saw an army, but the spiritual man saw something else. El hombre natural había visto aquel ejército, pero el hombre espiritual había visto algo más. And he said, he prayed for the servant. And he said, Lord, I pray that you will open his eyes, give him revelation, give him insight, so that he can see that there are more with us than those who are against us. And when the servant's eyes were open in the spirit, Cuando los ojos de aquel siervo fueron abiertos a través de la oración del profeta que dijo, Señor, abre sus ojos para que él mire, para que él vea que los que están con nosotros son más que los que están en contra. Entonces, cuando el siervo recibió aquella revelación, él vio un ejército de ángeles que había rodeado la ciudad. When the servant's eyes were open, he saw an army of angels that had come to defend the prophet Elisha. 
Él vio un ejército de ángeles que habían, hacer, habían llegado a hacer batalla contra los ejércitos del enemigo. And this has been my prayer for you over the last week or so. Esta ha sido mi oración para ustedes esta semana. Lord, open their eyes. Señor, abre sus ojos para que ellos vean Dos cosas, ¿quién eres tú y quiénes son ellos? I'm praying this prayer over you. God, open their eyes so that they can see who you are and see who they are. Somebody say amen. I, say this with me. Lord, open my eyes. You know that some people have uh, physical eyesight, but they are blind in the spirit. And some people are blind physically, and they can see clear as day in the spirit. Say it again. Lord, open my eyes. There are four things God wants you to see about him that I told you about last week. Cuatro cosas que Dios quiere que usted vea. Now, it's important for you to understand. We need to have our eyes open in our spirit so we can see who God is. Because sometimes we have a wrong view of God. Some people have a, a, a view of a small God. They see God as small, impotent, moody, uh, troubled who has a difficulty meeting their needs, and because they see God wrong, they pray wrong, they believe wrong, they speak wrong, because they don't see God for all that he is. So I'm praying that God will open your eyes so that you can see that he is bigger than your problem. He is bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than your past. He's bigger than your present, and he's greater than your future. Come on, somebody. That he is the God who moves mountains. Is there anybody that knows that you serve that God? And I want you to also have your eyes open to who you are as a child of God. You see, it's important to know who God is, but it's just as important, I think, to know who you are in relation to God. Because until you and I can see who we are as a child of God, we cannot fully appreciate, enjoy all that God has for us. También es necesario que usted y yo podamos ver quiénes somos como hijos de Dios. Porque si no sabemos lo que somos como hijos de Dios, entonces vamos a seguir uh, viviendo bajo el, 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 lo que Dios ha provisto para nuestra vida. When we live uh, with a, a smaller view of who we are as a child of God, we cannot fully enjoy all the blessings that God has in store for us. So I'm praying, Lord, open their eyes. Say it again, Lord, open my eyes. Because you see, friend, when you see God for all he is, and you see yourself for all that he has made you, you start seeing an army of angels around you. You start seeing that God has more on our side than the enemy thought he had on his side. That the strategies of the enemy were setups for our blessing and our prosperity. And that there are ways that God's going to move us into increase and into the full victory that he has for your life. Are you with me tonight? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and just uh, remind us about what these four things are. And then we're going to see them in this text. But now, very quickly here, these are the four revelations of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When a person comes to Jesus Christ and makes him the Lord of their life, these four things are, are discoveries that God wants you to make. Cuando una persona llega y se somete al liderazgo de Cristo, este señorío de Jesús trae cuatro revelaciones de lo que uh, Dios ha hecho en nuestras vidas. And we saw these last week in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And so uh, I said that these four revelations are the following. The first one is the revelation of sonship. La, lo primero es la revelación que somos hijos de Dios. The first revelation is that you and I have become sons of God. We have been adopted into the kingdom of God. If you haven't written this down, last week you didn't write it down, write it down this week, all right? The first revelation God wants you to have is that you are a child of God. The Bible says that Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, anybody here received him? To them, that's to you, he gave the right to become the sons of God, the children of God. Dice la Escritura que Jesús vino a los suyos, y los suyos no lo recibieron. Pero 
Aquellos que lo recibieron les dio el derecho de ser llamados hijos de Dios. This is very important because until you walk in this understanding that you're a child of God, a lot of times you walk like a slave instead of a son. Cuando usted no tiene esta revelación de que usted es hijo de Dios, usted camina bajo la luz de ese entendimiento, yo soy hijo de Dios, lo que pasa es que usted comienza a caminar como esclavo y no como hijo. How many of you remember the two differences between a slave and a son? ¿Cuándo le recuerdan la diferencia entre un esclavo y un hijo? You know, the, the, the slave quarrels with his master. And the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, how long will you quarrel with your maker? El esclavo pelea con su maestro, reniega, y, y solo, solo sabe renegar, pero el hijo sabe pedir. And so if you read Isaiah, he says, how long will you quarrel with your master? And how long will you say to your father, what have you made? And how long will you say to your mother, what kind of child have you had? He said, but to the son, he says, talk to me, ask me about the things that I have said. That's the difference. The slave quarrels with God. The son says, I can have a talk with God because we are in relationship. I'm a child of God. That's the first revelation. The second revelation is the revelation of divine provision. La segunda revelación es la revelación de la provisión divina. The fact that God is going to provide for your life. La, el hecho de que Dios va a proveer por tu vida. Number uh, three is the revelation of divine providence. La revelación número tres de la providencia de Dios. El hecho de que Dios está providentemente sobre tu vida, arreglando los asuntos de tu vida. The act that God is providentially, sovereignly organizing the affairs of your life. And number four was the revelation of covenant. That you and I are in a covenant with God. Número cuatro, la revelación que usted y yo estamos en un pacto con Dios. This last Sunday... We took the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said that when we eat the, the, the bread and we drink the wine, that we are to remember that this is a new covenant in his blood. Say this with me. I, as a believer, am in covenant with God. Usted puede decir, yo como creyente estoy en un pacto con Dios. And you know, God is a covenant keeper. Dios es un guardador de sus pactos. Now, I hope I've given you enough time now to find 1 Samuel. And if, uh, if you haven't found it yet, we're going to have it up here on the screen for you. 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, did I say 1 Samuel? Guess what? We're going to 2 Samuel. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9. You say, Pastor, I just found it. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Segunda de Samuel, capítulo 9, verso 1. Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Amil, in Lodibar. And the king David sent and brought him forth from the house of Mekir, the son of Amil, from Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell at his feet and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, Here is your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again he prostrated himself, and he said, What is your servant, that you should regard a dead dog like me? And the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul, 
and all that his house I have given to his master's grandson. You and your sons and your sons' servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands, his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's own sons. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would anoint this congregation that in hearing the word, it might bring revelation to their heart about who you are and who they are in Christ. We ask that in Jesus' name the church said amen. 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 I want to begin by telling you a story. And I want to show you how this, the man who is the, the centerpiece of this story has uh, receives in this story all four revelations of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because you remember David is a picture to us of Jesus. David es para nosotros un retrato de la persona del Señor Jesucristo. Now last week we talked about how David was ascending to the throne of Israel. Hablamos de cómo David iba ascendiendo al reinado de David. In this scripture, David has already been king over all of Israel for about nine years. So a long time has passed. Ahora David ha sido rey sobre todo Israel por más de nueve años. Y ha, ha pasado mucho tiempo. Y durante ese tiempo han ocurrido muchas cosas. Many things have happened. But in the midst of it all, there is a family uh, by, uh, in very humble circumstances. And the leader of the family is named Mephibosheth. Now, I hope you'll never name your child Mephibosheth, but if you do, we'll dedicate him anyway. All right. Uh, esta, mañana, esta tarde vemos la historia de un hijo llamado Mephibosheth. Él vivía en una circunstancia humilde. But the backstory on Mephibosheth is that he was royal born. And Mephibosheth había nacido en una familia de realeza. In fact, his grandfather had been king of Israel. And his father was the uh, crowned prince. Su, padre, su uh, abuelo era el rey Saúl, rey de David, el rey de Israel. Y su padre, Juanatán, era el príncipe que debía ser rey. So his, his family is a royal family. Su familia es una familia de realeza. And Saul, because of the sin and pride in his life, lost the kingdom of Israel. Saúl perdió el reinado de Israel. Por lo tanto, perdió toda su familia. When, when Saul lost the, the crown of Israel, all of his family lost the crown. And that just reminds us about our, our, sub, our theme on uh, Sundays, that when you win, other people win, right? But guess what? When you lose, other people lose. And when Saul lost, his whole bloodline lost. Cuando Saul perdió el reinado, perdió toda su familia. Now the Bible tells us that Saul and Jonathan, the father and son, both died on the same day in, on the battlefield. Juanatán, el hijo, y el padre Saúl murieron los dos en la misma um, región, en la misma batalla. Y ese día cuando se dio la palabra que habían muerto el rey y el príncipe, when the word went out that the king and the prince had died, then they knew immediately that it was going to be uh, the, uh, the, it should be the, the next king of Israel would rise up to be David because God had anointed David. Se sabía ya que David iba a ser el rey de la tierra de Israel por la unción que Dios le había dado. And so what they began to do was they began to kill and eradicate the entire family of Saul. Comenzaron a matar la familia de Saúl. So that no one would rise up later and challenge David's reign. Para que nadie se levantare y um, hiciera un desafío contra el reinado de David. And so in the midst of this, 
back at the house, back at the palace, there's a baby in the nursery. En medio de todo esto, allá en el palacio, en el, en el castillo de Saúl, si es lo que tenía, estaba un bebé en, um, en la guardería, 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 y estaba en cuna, y su, su uh, nodriza lo levantó para esconderlo. That baby's uh, nurse picked him up to hide him because he was an heir to the throne of Israel. Este era un heredero del de trono de Israel. Entonces la nodriza lo levanta para correr con él. This baby was named Mephibosheth. Este bebé se llama Mephibosheth. And while she's running, she trips. She drops the baby. And from that moment on, he's crippled from his waist down. Mientras ella corre, uh, se le cae aquel niño y queda... Uh, Uh, sin poder caminar todos los días de su vida y inválido desde, uh, desde sus piernas. Entonces él lo, lo van y lo esconden en un lugar llamado Lodebar. They take this boy and he goes and ends up in a place called Lodebar. And so this is Mephibosheth's life. The, the life of a man who's supposed to be in the royal status. Ahora esta es la vida de mi Mephibosheth, alguien que ha llegado, debía de haber llegado a un estado de realeza, pero ahora está viviendo en la pobreza. He's now living in poverty. And friends, really, this is a picture of us. Este es un retrato de nosotros, because you and I were created with royalty in us. We were created to walk with God like Adam walked with God. Usted y yo fuimos creados para caminar con Dios, así como Adán caminó con Dios. Pero así como cayó Adán, así, uh, o cayó la nodriza de Mephibosheth, ahí, así también cayó Adán. Adam also fell, just like Mephibosheth's nurse fell. Adam fell. And he crippled the human race. Adán, por su pecado, ha, ha hecho la, la, la raza humana inválida espiritualmente. Y por causa de esto, los hijos que deben ser reales ahora viven en la pobreza espiritual. And now people who, uh, you and I, the human race who should live in the spiritual blessing of walking with God have been reduced to living in a place called Lodebar. The place called Lodebar means no pasture. Lodebar, el lugar donde Mephiboset quedó, significa el lugar donde no hay pasto. Now, in the Bible, it's very significant that when we talk about no pasture, it's talking about a place where there is no rest. Cuando hablamos de un lugar donde no hay pasto, es un lugar donde no hay descanso. The Bible tells us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That is the inheritance of every believer. Dice la Biblia que Jehová es mi pastor. Nada me faltará. En lugares de delicados pastos me hará descansar. Y junto a agua de reposo me hará descansar. Y confortará mi alma. Ahí vemos el... el uh, la herencia del Hijo de Dios. That is the inheritance of the child of God. God wants you to have a place with green pastures. Dios quiere que usted tenga pastos verdes. Now you and I don't think much about pastures because we don't have sheep and goats and cows and so on. But uh, when you think about it, the old, the old uh, uh, agricultural way of thinking, it was a place where the flock could go and Rest where the shepherd could be with his flock and where the flock could receive the, the nourishment that it needs. And so Mephibosheth has been cut out of the green pastures. Listen, friend, if you're walking without God, you're outside of the green pastures. Si usted está caminando sin Dios, está caminando fuera de los pastos verdes. And so if you're outside of Christ tonight, I can tell you the grass is greener on this side. Si usted está caminando fuera de Dios, usted va a saber que el césped acá de este lado es más verde y más bueno porque allá es sequía, allá en Lodebar es un desierto. Lodebar is a spiritual desert where there is no rest. And so if you want to have rest, you've got to come out of Lodebar. 
Si usted quiere tener descanso Tiene que salir de lo de bar Tiene que salir de ese lugar De exilio de Dios It's really a place of exile From the presence of the king It's a place of exile From the presence of God And tonight, God has better things for you than Lodebar. Esta noche, Dios tiene mejores cosas para usted que Lodebar. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said it like this. He said, I am the door, or I am the gate, and he who enters through me will come in and go out and find pastures. Jesús dijo, yo soy la puerta, y el que por mí entrare, entrará y saldrá y hallará pastos. Hallará un lugar de reposo para su alma. He'll find a place of restoration for his soul. Now, I don't have time to unpack uh, Psalm 23, but just real quick, look at that. When you're walking with God, God says you won't lack anything. He says you will have green pastures. How many of you like green? Green pastures, not wilted Pastures, not dry pastures, not places where there used to be. He says, you'll have green pastures, you'll have still waters. You know, sheep are very easy to scare, so you can't take them to drink up against a rushing river. You got to take them to a still water. God says, I'm going to take you to a place where fear is not found, where there's tranquility for your soul. And when you eat these green pastures and you drink these still waters, you're going to have your, store, your, your soul constantly restored. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about your day-to-day -day walk with God. Usted puede disfrutar estos pastos verdes y esta agua, esta agua de reposo. Y cada vez que usted disfruta de ella, su alma está siendo regenerada, está siendo restaurada. And you say, Pastor, all right, if I'm in Lodabar, how do I get out? Si usted dice, Pastor, si yo estoy en Lodabar, ¿cómo salgo? Well, let's see how Mephibosheth got out. You want to know? The Bible says that now, nine years after David has become king of Israel, he's sitting there one day on his throne, and he remembers a covenant that he had with his friend, Jonathan, the crown prince of Israel. Ahí sentado en su trono, nueve años después de haber sido coronado como rey de todo Israel, David se recuerda de un pacto que él tenía con su amigo Juanatán. Here we go now. Here's the first revelation you see in the story. A revelation of covenant. You know what it is about the covenants of God, friend? That God is a keeper of covenants. Dios es un guardador de pactos. And let me just tell you, if you had a praying mom and a praying dad, if you had a grandmother or a grandfather that was praying for you, your ship is sunk for sin, friend. Because sooner or later, God is going to remember the covenant he made with granny way back then. And he's going he's to grab that rascal out of hell itself and save him and make a preacher out of him. Come on, somebody. God can do that because he's a covenant keeper. He remembered, David remembered the covenant that he had with Jonathan. He remembered the fact that he and Jonathan had made a covenant. And I want you to know the only way that you and I have any memory before God is that God has made a covenant with his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so invaluable that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, friend, because every day Jesus is seated there to remind the Father we are in covenant with those, with those, but that church down there. We're in covenant with those believers down there, and it is a covenant of peace. I told you last week the covenant is peace to you, peace to your home, and peace to all that you have. Say amen, somebody. Este pacto es un pacto de paz, paz para ti, paz para tu familia y paz para todo lo que tú tienes. Will you say that with me? Peace to me, peace to my family, and peace to all that I have. That's the covenant that you're in with God. And Jonathan, David remembers the covenant he has with Jonathan. David se recuerda del pacto que él tiene con Juanatán. Y él dice, habrá alguien vivo de la casa de Saúl que yo le pueda mostrar la bondad. He says, is there anyone in the house of Saul? Did anybody survive that the killing of his house? 
Is there anyone left alive, a survivor from the house of Saul, that I might show him mercy? And now, you see, we begin to see the second part of this uh, revelation is that we see the providence of God. Ahora vemos la providencia de Dios. Because you see, friend, when you thought, or when Mephibosheth thought that God had forgotten him, and that the whole world had forgotten him, and nobody knew where he was, God put it on David's heart to start asking about him. And there's three things here I want you to see in the providence of God in the life of Mephibosheth. First is the providence of a nurse, because he could have died instead of just being a cripple. But God provided a nurse for him. God provided someone in his childhood to bring him ever close to the things of God. I have a hunch that there's people in here who had a nurse. You had somebody in your life who, although you didn't recognize it, God put there providentially to let you know, I'm praying for you. I'm teaching you the Bible. They were maybe a Sunday school teacher. Maybe they were somebody in children's church. But there was somebody God put in your life to say, God has got plans for your life and and this nurse was an act of the providence of God esa nodriza era un acto de la providencia de Dios porque Dios la usó para salvar la vida de Mephibosheth and I know if you go back over your life you're going to see how God acted providentially on your behalf si usted repasa su vida va a ver que Dios actuó en providencia en momentos definidos de su vida Cuando usted no pensó nada de Dios, ahí Dios estaba pensando de usted. I have a friend who came to Christ. And the first time that, no, uh, the time that he came to Christ was the result of how many years before he was walking on the beach and somebody just walked past him and handed him a gospel track. He didn't know who they were. They didn't preach to him. They didn't explain the gospel. They didn't pray with him. And he not, really didn't read the track. He just read the cover and threw it away. But that day, God's hand of providence touched his life and started moving him in the direction of faith. And I want you to know, friend, that you're not here by accident. Usted no está aquí por accidente. Usted está aquí porque la mano providente de Dios ha estado funcionando a su favor. You're here because God's hand of providence has been working in your life and has been working in ways you didn't even recognize. The second hand of providence is that right there in David's throne room is a man who knows where Mephibosheth is. Call that a coincidence. No. It's the providence of God. Ahí en el mismo salón de la, del trono de David hay, hay un hombre que sabe dónde está Mephibosheth. Ahora Mephibosheth ha sido puesto en el lugar adecuado porque la providencia de Dios lo ha provisto así. God's providence has made it so. Listen, friends. I don't know. I don't know if... Uh, you think about your life and you wonder why did these things happen? Why did that take this wrong turn? Why did this accident happen? Why did this uh, loss of this loved one happen? You can't always explain why you're crippled. But you know what? It might be that if Mephibosheth wasn't a cripple, he wouldn't have survived the slaughter. It might be that God used the injuries in his life to bring him to this point. And I just want to tell you, it might be that God is using the pain from your past to bring you into the blessing of your future. And if you will just believe God and say, God, I have a revelation of the fact that your hand is at work in my life. You can rest knowing God's going to work this thing out. And when the master weaver is done, this tapestry is going to be a blessing in my life. This is going to be a, a remarkable story to tell and Mephibosheth is being talked about by people who are far away over there in Jerusalem sitting in a throne room he doesn't know they're talking about him but they're making plans about him and I have a hunch tonight that in the throne room of heaven God's making plans about you he's talking to people about you you don't even know it's happening but God is setting you up for breakthrough come on somebody you got to get a revelation of this fact God is at work in my life. Yo quiero que usted sepa que allá en el trono de la gloria donde está sentado nuestro Dios, ahí Él está haciendo planes para tu vida. Aunque usted no lo sabe, no los entiende, no los ve, créalo. 
I want you to know that. You may not see the plan book God has. You may not see the playbook he's working with. But just believe me, friend, God has a plan for your life. Dios tiene un plan para tu vida. So you have a nurse and you have a servant and you have a king. And the, God moves the heart of the king to say, where is Mephibosheth? God can move the hearts of the people in authority to bring you into the place that he wants you to come. And so the king says, where is now this Mephibosheth? Go get him. Now you say, how do I get out of Lodabar? That's how. The king said, go get him. ¿Cómo es que Mephibosheth salió de Lodabar? Porque el rey dijo, vayan a traerlo. Go call him. Bring him out. I want to I meet him. I want to get to know him. And the Bible said they brought Mephibosheth to David. Trajeron a Mephibosheth a David. Y, y él cae a los pies de David. He falls on the floor before David. And now we see the provision of God. Ahora vemos la provisión de Dios. We already saw God's covenant. We saw God's providence. Now we see God's provision. Because David says to Lodibar... And basically, I'm sorry, he says to Mephibosheth, I am going to restore everything you lost. Now, Mephibosheth thought he won the lottery. But this is bigger than the lottery. Now, I want you to, I want you to listen closely to what David said to Mephibosheth because this, who's, who does David represent? Who does he represent? Christ. And who is Mephibosheth? Us. Look at what he says. Look at down in your Bible, verse 7. David said to him, do not fear. Say that with me. Do not fear. Listen, friends. God's word to you tonight is don't fear. What is the first thing God has provided for you is a fear-free life. Que lo primero que Dios ha provisto para ti es una vida libre de temor. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I mean, you don't have to fear your past because it's been dealt with at the cross. You don't have to fear the future because God is in control of it. You don't have to fear lack because God is your provider. You don't have to fear disease because God is your healer. You don't even have to fear death because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Come on, somebody. God says, don't be afraid. A fear-free life is your birthright as a child of God. Una vida sin temor es, la, es el derecho de nacimiento de un hijo de Dios. And you have to understand this because fear is the opposite of faith. El temor es lo opuesto a la fe. Fear will talk you out of faith every time. El temor te, te causa que no puedas caminar en la fe. Entonces uh, te roba de tu bendición. Fear will rob you of your blessing. And fear will cause you to have to pay for things that God was providing for free. You said, what are you talking about, Pastor? Just recently... Um, we were walking in another country, Jake and I, on a long, on a long road. And uh, a man drove by and he said, do you want to lift? And Jake said, no. <laughs> and guess who the next ride was? We had to, it was a taxi. We had to pay for that ride. Why did he say no? I guess he was afraid we we're going to get mugged or something. But, you know, we do that a lot. Fear causes us to back away from what God is providing. Fear makes us back away from what God is saying. Go, go get it. You prayed for it. You've been asking me for it. You've been, you've been saying, Lord, I want that house. I want that car. I want that girl. I want that guy. Lord, you've been, you've been praying specific prayers. And then God, <laughs> that's a good amen, Jimmy. And then God puts, God puts that opportunity in front of us. And what do we do? Oh, oh maybe, maybe I should call pastor and get some, get some prayer warriors in here. God says, don't. Be afraid. You don't have to walk in fear. Fear-free living is your inheritance as a child of God. He says, number one, don't be afraid. Keep reading there, verse 7. 
I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of Jonathan. Now we see the goodness of God is provided. God provides fear-free living, but he also provides the promise of his goodness. I, I need you to know this tonight. I need you to understand this tonight. God is not mad at you. God is not trying to find ways to punish you or torture you. God is not looking for ways to make your life difficult. God wants to be good to you. He wants you to know his goodness. Dios no está enojado con usted tratando de buscar manera de hacerle la vida difícil. Dios quiere mostrarle su bondad. In fact, the Bible says that he comes out to meet you with blessing. Dice la Biblia que él sale a tu encuentro con bendición. So when you walk out of your house in the morning, expect to run into the goodness of God around every corner. Cuando usted salga de su casa, espere ver la bendición de Dios. Come on, I, I think I can get some agreement in here tonight. I expect to see the goodness of God. Yo espero ver la bendición, la bondad de Dios. You can imagine Mephibosheth, what's going through his mind. He is in the, the king's chamber. The king has the right to kill him so that he won't challenge his throne. But instead, the king says, I am going to show you goodness. Friend, if you're walking outside of Christ tonight, let me tell you, come to Jesus because he has goodness in store for your life. He wants to save you and he wants to redeem you and make you new and give you good li a good life and to give you good things. Dios quiere darte Cosas buenas, si usted, amigo, está fuera de Cristo esta noche, venga a Cristo. Porque Él tiene bondad almacenada para usted. Usted tiene que creer, yo voy a ver la bondad de Dios. En mi vida, en mi familia, en mi hogar, yo voy a ver la bondad de Dios. He says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now here's the important thing. Why is God so good to me? Because I'm in Christ. ¿Por qué es que Dios es bueno para conmigo? Porque yo estoy en Cristo. And if you're in Christ, all the goodness God has for his son, he has for you. Si usted está en Cristo, entonces todo lo bueno que Dios tiene para él, lo tiene para usted. And then he, he doesn't end there. But he says, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather. In other words, he says, I'm going to restore to you everything that Saul lost. Listen, God's promise to you is a promise of restoration. La, la provisión de Dios es una provisión de restauración. He says to the, in the book of Joel, I will restore to you the years that were stolen. That were eaten by the worm and the and that were gnawed away by, by trouble and wrath. Dice el Señor en Joel, yo restauraré los años que fueron comidos por aquellos, uh, por la langosta. God says to us, when you're in Christ, he'll not only provide fear-free living. And he'll not only provide his goodness, but he will provide restoration of what? Of the years that you lost. How many of you know you've wasted some years? Oh, you're not being honest tonight. How many of you know you wasted some years? Guess what? God says, I will restore to you the years that you lost. Dios dice, yo voy a restaurar a ti los años que perdiste. So don't cry over the lost things. God says, I'm going to restore. What did he say? I'm going to restore all the land. So guess what? If in your former life you lost your mind, expect to get it back. Come on, somebody. I said, expect to get it back. Si usted perdió su mente en una vida pasada allá en el pecado, espere que Dios le va a restaurar su mente, le va a restaurar su capacidad. Listen, if, if tragedy stole your dreams, guess what? God's going to restore your dream. Si la tragedia te robó tu sueño, Dios va a restaurar tus sueños. Come on, somebody. God is a restorer. Dios es un restaurador de las cosas perdidas. Restore of the things that were lost. Did you lose your song? God will restore your song. He will restore your joy and your and your your song in the night. Él quiere restaurar tu canto, restaurar tu alegría, tu gozo. A veces llegan momentos de dificultad a tu vida, te roba tu paz, te roba tus sueños, te roba tu 
tu, uh, 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 tu visión pero Dios dice yo voy a restaurar tus sueños Voy a restaurar tu visión voy a darte cosas mejores You know the Bible said that, Jake, that Joseph dreamed another dream Dios dice, dice la escritura que José soñó otro sueño Tell your neighbor dream another dream Now tell the other guy on the other side dream another dream Dígale a su vecino sueño otro sueño Did your last dream go bust? Guess what? Dream another dream. I said dream another dream. Get a new vision. Get a new perspective. Believe that God can do it again. Come on, somebody. If your, if your last business went out, build another business. Come on, somebody. If your last marriage failed, watch God bless this marriage. Come on. I'm talking about the God who is able to restore. I'll restore to you. Some of the things Saul lost. Most of the things. What do you say? All the things. You know, I have a rule in my life. If I lose something, when I get it back, I expect it to be just a little bit better than it was before. Come on, somebody. So, so if, if Hurricane Harvey took off, Um, two shingles, and you expect to get three shingles back. Come on in. If you lost your whole house, expect that new house to be bigger or better than it was before. Come on, somebody. And if your car got flooded, you expect God to get, get that thing going and make it better. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about God said I would do all. Am I talking to anybody in the house of God tonight? Well, no, he does not talking to me. He must be talking to God's real special children, that upper class, that upper class of the Christians. I'm talking to you. You are a child of God. Lord, open their eyes so that they can see that this provision is theirs. I will restore to you all the land. Last week we read that all the tribes came To David. God says, I will restore to you all the years, all the land that was lost. And then he says, and you will surely eat regularly at my table. Mm-mm-mm. Because remember last week they said to David, David, you will feed us. They had a revelation of God's provision. Can I tell you, friend, that God wants you to eat at his table. And his table is a good table. Él dice, vas a comer a mi mesa. Vas a comer con regularidad a mi mesa. Esa es la provisión de Dios. You're not going to eat, um, you're not going to eat potted meat anymore in Lodibar. Oh, come on, somebody. You're not going to eat ramen noodle anymore in, Lo in Lodibar. You're not going to eat five days old bread in Lodibar. You're not going to eat something that fell off of the bread truck. I am going to have you eating at the king's table. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, get excited about that because God is talking about your life. He's talking about your finances. He's talking about your spiritual inheritance. Dios está hablando de tu herencia. Vas a comer a mi mesa. Ya no vas a comer uh, pan viejo. Allá en lo de bar comías pan seco, pan viejo. Lo, lo tenías que meter al café para que tuviera saborcito. Dice yo te voy a dar pan fresco. Te voy a dar mi bendición, mi provisión. God says, I have to translate now. You're not going to have to soak your bread anymore so you can get some flavor. I'm going to give you fresh bread. He didn't win the lottery, friends. He won a relationship with the king. Se ha ganado una relación con el rey. Vas a comer a mi mesa. Look at verse 11 because there's the fourth revelation. It says in verse 11, last phrase, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's own sons.
Aquí está la cuarta revelación, verso 11. Mefiboset comió a la mesa de David como uno de sus propios hijos. Now we have sonship, adoption. Ahora tenemos el adopto. Somos hijos de Dios. Look, friends, I love the table. The table is awesome. David eats at the king's table. He eats ribeye. He eats, oh, he doesn't eat pork chops. So I'll have to leave that one out because they're Jews. He eats roast beef, tortillas, carne guisada. And that's great. He dresses in the king's garment. He lives in the king's house. All of those things are awesome. But you know what I love is that he can say, I am the king's own son. I love the Lord's table and I love the Lord's closet, but I love to be able to say, I am the Lord's own son. Come on, I'm talking to you tonight. God says, you are my own son. You're my son. Come on, are you listening to me? He said, you are my son. El dice, tú eres mi hijo. I am the king's own son. I'm not going to worry about whether I'm going to be able to pay the bills this month. I am the king's own son. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry about whether or not there's enough grace in God's bank to forgive me of my sins. I am the king's own son. He has washed away my iniquity and made me part of his family. Somos los hijos mismos de Dios. He ate. Regularly at the king's table. And here's what I want you to see. This is a beautiful thing to me. Whenever Mephibosheth is eating at the table, you can't see his legs. He's a cripple. But you can't see that. Friend, if you want your past to be covered, you've got to eat at the king's table. Si usted quiere que su pasado esté cubierto, tiene que comer a la mesa del rey. Because only when you come to the king's table does he cover your brokenness and your shame and your past. And nobody there can see who you are. All they say is that is the king's own son. Come on, somebody. Celebrate the grace of God with me tonight. Celebre alguien la gracia de Dios esta noche. Porque sentado a la mesa, nadie puede ver tu fracaso. Nadie puede ver tus piernas quebrantadas, tu pasado roto nobody can see your past when you're sitting at the king's table you're the king's own son his grace has covered you because if any man be in Christ he is a new creature I said he is a new creature old things have passed away and behold all things have been made new my lord that's a good word tonight somebody ought to give God praise for his table Gloria a Dios por esa mesa. Come sit at the table. The king's table. How did Mephibosheth receive this? ¿Cómo es que Mephibosheth pudo alcanzar esto? When he came to the king's presence, first thing he did was he came. You've got to come. The king's calling. Bring them out of Lodabar. Bring them out of shame. Bring them out of their past. Bring them out of their brokenness. Bring them out of their tragedy. You've got to come. You've got to come home for Thanksgiving. If you want to enjoy mama's cooking, you got to come home, don't you? Is there anybody listening? It's just that simple, friend. How do you enjoy the king's table? You've got to come home. He's calling for you. And you know, it's not just about being at the house of the king because in the parable of the prodigal son, the, the older son was in the house, but he did not enjoy the father. 
He was home, but he hadn't come home. So it's not enough to just be in the house. There are a lot of Christians sitting in church who are not enjoying the table. Because they haven't come home in their heart. They haven't come to the realization, this is my father. I'm his own son. So God says, you've got to come home. Stop quarreling with me like a slave and, and know I'm your father. And if you're outside of Christ tonight, he says, come home. If you're a drunk, come home. If you got addicted to drugs, come home. If you, if you got pregnant out of wedlock, come home. You married the wrong person, come home. You got AIDS or a sexually transmitted disease, come home. God says, you can come home. The door is open. There's a place at the table for you to come and sit and enjoy the glories of sonship. Come out of that place where there is no pasture. Come in and find that there is green pasture, still water. And then he humbled himself. He, he bowed down before David. Friend, in order to enjoy the table, you've got to come home and you also have to bow down. He doesn't come saying, well, I'm rightfully the heir of this throne. This thing belongs to me. I should have been here anyway. He comes in recognizing I'm broken. I am in need. I am a sinner. I am lost. If you don't help me, I can't be helped. If you don't save me, I won't be saved. And when you come to God with the humility of heart and you say, God, I've got to have your help. You've got to open my eyes. He says that he looks far away at the proud. But he abides with the humble. You know, it's kind of like this. When God sees the proud coming, he says, turn the lights off. Don't let them know we're home. But when he sees the humble coming, he says, get out of my way. I got to go receive them. He receives the humble. He humbles himself and he submits himself to David's authority. He says to David, do with your servant as you will. There's that act of submission. If you want to have these four revelations, you've got to submit to the authority of Christ in your life. And when you have submitted to the authority of Christ in your life, you will find his covenant blessings are upon your life. His provisions are in your life. And his providence is made clear and plain in your life. And that you are able to enjoy all the blessings of sonship because you have submitted to his will. Submitted to his lordship. He does those three things in this text. But he does one more thing. Later on, there is a coup d'etat, a rebellion against David. And Absalom literally for a moment, removes David from the throne. But Mephibosheth, the Bible says that he remained loyal to David because he loved him. Tonight, what does God want from you? But to love him. Love the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your soul. That's all he wants is your love. Your undenied, complete and total affection toward him. The scripture says that Mephibosheth, when, when David left the city because he was being pursued by Absalom, he couldn't flee because he was crippled. But he waited in Jerusalem until the return of his king. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a church that loves him enough to wait for his return. To say, my king is coming back. And when he comes, I'm going to sit with him in glory. Why not? How, how could you do anything but love a God like this? I said, how could you anything but love a God like this? He's, he's so easy to love. When you see all that he's done, all he's provided, the natural response of the heart is to say, Lord, I love you with my whole heart, with my whole being. Can I get you just to stand with me tonight?
Right where you are, just raise your hands and tell him how much you love him. Just out of your heart, tell him how much you love him. Speak to him as your daddy. Crawl into his arms. Sit in his lap tonight and just say, Daddy, I love you. Father, I love you. You are the king's own son. He's called you out of Lodibar. You didn't even know that he knew who you were, but he called you out. He called you out of sin, brokenness, and shame, and abuse, and lostness. He called you out of it. He brought you into the light. He brought you to his table. He brought you into his home. He's made you his very own son. Come on, just pour out your love upon him tonight. Pour out your love upon him tonight. Derrama tu amor sobre él esta noche. Oh God, I pray that you will open the eyes of this congregation. I pray that you will let us to see that you are a covenant-keeping God. That we might see your providential hand. That we might see your provision. That we might glory in what it is to be called a son of God. If you're listening tonight and you haven't come home, you haven't said yes to Christ, I say tonight, come home. Come back to the cross. Come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right where you are, if you're watching online, say yes to Jesus, friend. Say yes to Jesus. He loves you with an everlasting love. He calls you back to himself. He says, come home. I don't care where you've gone. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Come home. Come to the table.